Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, church, remember where we left off two weeks ago. Daniel, and and I want you to put yourself in his sandals. Daniel is in a meeting with the most powerful man on the earth at this time. The most powerful man. And that's like, for you, one of the most powerful men in the world, and we'll look at this a little bit later, is Vladimir Putin. And could you imagine you having a meeting with Vladimir Putin, who you know is strategically running Russia and and taking care of all of that. He has generals that are bowing to him and so forth. So so Daniel, who was a young kid at the time, which I love the fact that that the young people, Lord, have a have a calling, if you will, to I mean this is Daniel. And um so he's meeting with King Nebuchadnezzar. If you recall the king had a dream that so freaked him out that he summoned all the wise guys, all, all the counsel that he could come, and he tells them, guys, tell me what this means. Tell me, this is, this is important. Tell me, I, I, I need to know. And they said, well, tell us the dream, and we'll tell you the interpretation. He goes, no, 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 this is deeper than that. You need to tell me the dream and its interpretation. Now, remember how this all started. In verse 29, Daniel is speaking to the king, and he says this. Now, I want you to listen to this in the Good News translation. It says this in verse 29 of chapter 2. While your majesty was sleeping, this is Daniel talking, you dreamt about a future, about the future, and God, who reveals mysteries, showed you what's going to happen. So if you're not afraid to write in your Bible, you can take your pen, and in verse 29, you can say, this is future. This is future. He's dreaming in the future. Now, this happened, if you will, um, between 605 B.C. and 602 B.C. So all that that, that he saw in the dream is prophetic. It was going to be in the future. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar, as you know, has this amazing dream. It was all about this colossus. You go, what's a colossus? Remember, it's a giant image, a statue, an idol. But the interpretation really puzzled the king. He's asking, what does it all mean? Now, you recall the story. The king was so troubled that he summoned the wise council to come and tell him the dream. Well, of course, they couldn't. They couldn't tell him the dream. They, they were trying to guess at it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going up to the most powerful man in the world and kind of tr- trying to hint your way to try to get the, the hey, what, did, you, did you have a dog in your dream? Tell me the dream. Oh, okay, well, there wasn't a dog. Well, what was like, could you give me a hint? And of course, no man could. And that's a matter of fact, even Daniel said, no man can't. No man can. And it has to be the Lord. But you remember when Daniel hears all of this and they come to take him to kill him, he goes, wait, 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 wait. And, and, and he says, let me, well, how does he respond? He responds with prayer. He responds with prayer. And I find that very interesting because you and I as believers, we have to take a moment and look at our lives and we have to wonder when, when there are circumstances or stresses or things that come uh, at you, or something that you can't control, my question to you and myself is, how do we respond? You see, a lot of times in our flesh, we'll want to fix it. A lot of times we'll want to take over. A lot of times we'll go, we'll call up a friend, we'll call in a favor, we'll do whatever. But biblically, guys, Daniel's showing us a great example how you and I, when we hear of things that we can't control, come on, somebody. Come on, thank you. He responds with prayer. He responds with prayer. And I think a lot of times, many believers take prayer for granted. They'll take prayer for granted. They'll go, yeah, I prayed, and well, is the 10 minutes here or two minutes there? I remember saying, God, please, and so forth. But Daniel does something very interesting. In chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, it says, And Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Now, I want to stop you right there because I want you to see something. One of the things that we do in before we pray is that we will get counsel to try to sway maybe our decision. 
You see, if I'm feeling like God wants me to do something and I need to pray about it, then I'm going to go to Cherie and I'm going to ask Cherie and I'll say, Cherie, would you pray about this? And this is what God's put in my heart. And then I'm going to go over. See, here, here's the point. When we spread prayer out like that, we're hoping to get, well, you can't do it. No, that's a silly. Well, I'll pray, but Daniel trusted his compadres because he knew they were also young men of prayer. He knew their character. And I find it good that you and I, and I, 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 we, we need to have those that are our true prayer warriors that with us, that aren't going to gossip, oh, did you hear what, well, I was, I, so-and-so asked me to pray, and she asked me to pray about this, because they're having fights, her and her husband are not, they're not real, you know, they're, they're having problems in their marriage, and I was called to pray, well, you should pray too, sister, no, 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 we don't do that, that's gossip. We find our prayer warriors, you find that friend that says, yes, I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to keep it, and I'm going to keep it to the Lord. I'm going to keep it to the Lord. Very, very, very important. Daniel says, hey, hey, Hananiah, Mishael, listen, this, this concerns you too, because they're going to kill you. Um, we need to pray. Well, what should we pray? That we might seek the mercies from God of heaven concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Guys, we're going to die. We talked about the chutzpah prayer, the one of the, just the angst of crying out to God. Listen, there are times when we gather in a circle at Calvary Chapel and we'll pray and we're asking God and we're praying for this and we're praying for that and we're praying for so and that's wonderful. That's so sweet and it's a sweet, sweet time. But there are also times, guys, when we go in our prayer closet and we cry out to God like we've never cried out before. And when I say cry out to God, maybe it's ugly tears. Maybe it's not coming down your nose and you don't care because you're crying out. This is something so desperate. And this is what they're crying out for and I think that's important. Well, what does God do? Amazingly, God answers their prayer. Can I get an amen? amen? Why is that important? Because God always answers our prayer. And we need to stand on the fact that He answers our prayer. Now, it's not always the answer I want that God answers the prayer. So what's the first thing He does? Well, the first thing He does is He runs to the king. No, no, no. The Bible says the first thing He does is He praises the Lord. It says, "In Daniel, bless the God of heaven. You see, we should always remember where that answer came from. Oh, sure, I've got an appointment with the king. Oh, sure, this has to be a matter of importance, but so does praise. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. So, by way of reminder, Daniel shared the dream and the interpretation. Look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. It says, You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. The great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and the form was awesome. Okay? And so again, let's look at verses 32 through 35. He's going to kind of tell us the whole part of the dream. And starting in verse, let me find it here in my Bible. But as you reveal the secret to me, because I have more wisdom than anyone living in the lands have made known to you, Here's 31, you, O king, were watching. And then in verse um, 32, it says, The image head was what? The image was of fine gold, its chest, its arms, its silver, its belly, its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And you watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the, then the iron and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors, and the winds carried away, so there was trace, no trace was found on them, so that the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, let me see if we can get, if I can get um, um, Josh to pull up the image. I want to show you again, okay? Because here's the image. Look, he did that really fast. Okay? So here's the image. That's what he dreamt. Now, you got to remember, we have this in a multi-metallic image, okay? So you have the descending value, gold, silver, bronze, okay? So this is iron, and then iron and clay down here. You see that. Now, what we need to remember is gold is very valuable. How so? Well, today's price, gold is $1,800 an ounce. So you have gold, you're pretty, pretty well off. You know, a couple of ounces, and, and uh, maybe you could go on vacation. That's pretty good. $1,800 an ounce, but silver is not as valuable. As a matter of fact, it's not anywhere near the price of gold. Silver is $24.06 an ounce, okay? And, and, and you need to think about this even just moving forward. 
Uh, number three is bronze. Today's price, it's somewhat valuable. Guess what? It's about $1.20 an ounce. So if you have some bronze around, you, you, you know, you, you, can, you might be able to sell enough bronze to get a Starbucks, maybe. You might have to chip in a few bucks yourself. And iron, iron is really good. It's about 10 cents an ounce. And of course, clay, clay is almost free. You can go out anywhere and find some clay. So that's the descending value of what he saw. Gold, very, very strong. Now, what you need to note mentally in this and in your Bibles, guys, is that it's although it's very valuable to the very bottom at 10 cents and almost free, um, the metals actually get stronger the farther down you go. And you go, Ben, what do you mean? Iron, right here, guys, iron is much stronger than gold. Iron is much stronger than gold. And you go, what does that mean? Prophetically and even historically, this tells us that um, the Roman army, right here, is actually stronger than all the previous empires. You guys with me? So why is that important? Here's why. Because there's coming a end times empire that's going to be stronger than the Roman Empire was historically. So, Nebuchadnezzar is very, very strong, but it's not going to be like anything that we see here. Now, to better understand this, we need to turn over to Daniel chapter 9. Just go a few books over, okay? I want you to see this. Daniel chapter 9, picking it up in verse 24. So just a few pages over. Give me an amen when you're there. Daniel 9.24, we're going to get a better understanding. It says this. Daniel's writing, he says this. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, to anoint the most holy, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild or and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall in even troublesome times. Do you guys see that? Okay, so here's what's happening. Okay. This is the 70-week prophecy right here. He says 70 weeks is determined for your people, your holy city. Now, here's what you need to know. Each week, everybody say week. Each week is seven-year long period. It's not a week. It's not seven, five to seven days. It's not Monday through Sunday. It's seven years, okay? That's, that's what he considers a week or a time period. So, Daniel says there are seven year periods are determined, or 70 years. You're going, okay. But he also says, now notice, he says, and and this is what it's for. It's to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins. Everybody see that, okay? And then he says, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now, let me see if you were paying attention. How much is a week? Seven. Seven years, okay? So... 62 weeks plus 7 weeks gives us 69 weeks. 69 weeks. Now, look at verse 26 with me. After 62 weeks and the 7, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. To the end it shall be with a flood and till the end of the war, desolations are determined. Okay, so what you need to know in verse 26, it says after 62 weeks, 62 weeks plus 7 equals 69. After 69, it says Messiah shall be cut off. If you want to circle that word cut off, we're going to study it in depth later on, but to cut off means publicly executed. That's what it means, okay? And so it says, after this time, if you will, the Messiah, who's the Messiah? Yahshua, Jesus Christ, okay, is going to be publicly executed, not for himself. Who was he? Who, why was he executed? For us, right. 
for us so he could reconcile us back, right? And, and so here's what that... So you go, well, Ben, wait, 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 time, time, time out, Ben. Um, that leaves one week. He had said 70 weeks, but now it said after 62 plus 7, after 69 weeks, Messiah is dead. But um, ever since Jesus died... It's already been seven years, so where's the other week? Oh, okay, so here's how it works prophetically. The reason we haven't experienced this is because when Jesus was crucified, guys, it began something, jot this down, known as the church age. The church age, okay? The moment he died, that's what he started. The church age, particularly a reconciliation of people back to the Lord. Okay? Wow. So, if you're taking notes, you might be asking, where are we in the church age? Well, wait a minute. If Jesus died 2,000 plus years ago, where are we? Let me say this. We're probably at the very end of the church age. We're at the very end. Okay? Now, this is why. You go, well, what happens next? Now, before we go on, we need to... You go, what happens next prophetically? Okay? Now, you can turn there. You can watch it on the screens. You've heard me say it before. But let me kind of paint a picture of what's going on right now. And, and, and I need to get with Mike Shaw because, because I want to do a, a prophecy update on a Wednesday and kind of tie in all of this to the kingdom that we're going to see. This world, this new world, this, this end times temp monarchy that's coming. But right now, that's being set up around the world. That's being set up. Yesterday, I got a call. I got a call from somebody who said, Hey, remember when we went to Israel four years ago? I said, Yeah. She said, you, um, you mentioned to my daughter that to keep an eye on Emmanuel Macron from France. And I said, yeah, you know what? And she goes, well, have you, have you studied much about him? And I said, no, he's sort of flown under the radar, things, I mean, all of that stuff. Well, she goes, well, my daughter has. And do you realize that although mainstream media is not, uh, is not saying all this, this guy is all over the place. He's all over the place, and he actually won a second term in France which I found interesting because most of the time you don't get a second term in France. Now, one of the things she said, now I'm standing over here, just my opinion, okay, it's not, it's not scripture, just my opinion, is that his term ends in 2027. Okay? You go, okay, what does that mean? Let's say the Lord Jesus Christ comes for us this year. Yeah, exactly, yay. That would be, if, let's say if Emmanuel was the Antichrist or used by the devil, that would be the exact about three and a half year mark for him to leave that position and move on. Just, I sat there on the phone going, wow, that's, I, I hadn't studied that, I don't know. Um, all I'm saying is, I always say, keep your eyes on Israel, keep what's going on in, in the revived Roman Empire. So I thought, hmm. So I'm looking at Mike Shaw, and I know I piqued his interest. He's going to go home and look up that and see, and see how this ties in. Because now, not only do you have that, but you also have, in Israel right now, you have someone who they're calling the Messiah, the Meshach. And I can't pronounce his name, but it's S-H-L, and then it's Sholo or Shol, something like that, Yehuda. And he's a new rabbi who is this prodigy rabbi who had learned the Torah, and I mean, he's done five miracles, bona fide miracles, that they are, they are just saying, and, they're, and he's, he's commanding droves and droves of people. And, and so all of a sudden, now Israel's going, oh, well, we found our Messiah. Remember, they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, so they're looking for their Messiah. So all of a sudden, you got this guy come on the scene. Then you got the world's most, the, the, the world's richest man, Elon, come and, and, and want to do all of these, um, well, we, we, we'll get into that later, but it's just, you, you see, that's, that's all being set up now. And how this end times um, scenario, this end times um, empire is going to affect, that's going on right now. So you go, well, what happens next prophetically? Well, 
In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you guys know this, I know you know this, in verses 15 through 17, but I want the scripture to read you. Paul writes, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will no means precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Can I get a good amen? Amen. So the Lord's going to come. That's the next thing that has to happen. The Lord's going to come back. So honestly, church, if I could exhort you in any way, I would exhort you to have a sore neck. Wait, what? To be looking up for our redemption comes. He's coming back for us. But it also does another thing. It causes us to be able to witness more because we know time is short. But it also causes us to um, not worry so much about the drama in life. Because you go, Lord, you're coming back. I'm like, do I really want to worry about this? I don't want to worry about this. It's No, Lord, I wanna, I'm here to glorify you. I'm here to glorify you. Now, I was listening to Radio by Grace the other day, and someone was preaching on this, and, um, and they were actually talking how clouds and certain words in Scripture are just, um, they're metaphoric, they're, they, they paint pictures. And so basically here, I used to say, well, if there's a cloudy day, then the Lord could come back because he's going to come back in the clouds. Well, it basically, it doesn't mean that. It means that the Lord could come back whether it's sunny, cloudy, rainy, snowy, whatever it might mean. And so I thought, well, okay, so I have to... I have to confess that one. Okay, so we're going to be caught up. Now, the word caught up there is the, what, harpazo. It's to violently snatch someone. It's the same picture that if some, some guy stumbled onto a train track and you ran and you violently pulled him back before the train came barreling down the tracks, that's harpazo. You pulled him. And that's what the Lord's going to do. Now, I don't think we're going to be hurt if the Lord says, boom, I think we'll be sitting here. We'll fill it in our spirit and we're going to be gone. We're going to be gone. Now, let me tell you how I know this is really close. How do you know? Did God give you a specific prophetic vision? No, let me just tell you what I see. I see the church drawing cold. The, the hearts of the church of Christians are waxing cold. You see, you talk about prophetic things and believers, professing believers, ah, are you kidding? Right, oh, sure. No, that's, how do you know? How do you know? And uh, they don't want to talk about the things of the Lord. They don't want to talk about the rapture of the church. They don't want to talk about... And so, and so their hearts are, are... Well, they're far from God. So the very next thing that happens, church, as we wait here in 2023 is the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church, what happens is this ushers in, guess what? The 70th week of Daniel. Okay? Church age, rapture, and then that final seven-year period. This is where you get seven years of the tribulation. This is the final one. Okay? So, I'm praying that it makes sense to you that you go, Oh, 69, Messiah's cut off. Church age, church age, grace, 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 grace. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. Everyone be saved. Open up your heart. Quit playing church. Quit playing. Quit flirting with the world. Come, come, come. And then the Lord says, okay, it's time. I'm going to come for my church. He takes us away. And then that begins the final 70th week of Daniel. Okay, now let's look at verse 27. Verse 27 of chapter 9 says, Then he shall confirm, who's this? The Antichrist, a covenant with many for what? What does that say? One week. How much is a week? There you go. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And in the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consumption, which is determined, is poured out to be desolate. Now, you have this rabbi right now, and and I would be careful. You can YouTube it, but be careful. But you have this rabbi who, who all of Israel and Jerusalem are just, all these rabbis are just hailing him as the Messiah. It wouldn't surprise me if he is the one who leads Israel into that idolatry 
already set up by the Antichrist. And he may not be the Antichrist, but he's the one that's going to soften the blow. Hey, guys, can't we get along? Listen, you guys want your temple? We want our temple. Okay, well, we want, us, we want to offer sacrifices. So all of a sudden, would you please look at, and whatever, whatever, whoever the name of the Antichrist is, is there he is, and, and could, would you, could we vote? Yes. And so he's going to make a covenant. Okay, and so the Jews are like, whoa, right? So now you have this evil dream team, if you will. You've got the Antichrist. You've got the false prophet. You've got the beast. You've got all of these working parts going on. And now all of a sudden, he's got a, what? He's, made a, he's confirmed a covenant. For how long? He's only going to say, let's try this for seven years. Well, what do you think? Well, that's good. That's good. And maybe somebody goes, oh, we should just do it for two. No, let's try it for seven. Seven will give us a good understanding if we can do this or not. Well, guess what happens? He knows that in three and a half years, right? Three and a half years, boom. He's going to come in and he's going to set himself up as God. Now, let's look at the image one more time. From the prophetic gap, we see another kingdom right here. See that, guys? The feet. This is one that's mixed with iron and clay. Okay, so this is Rome. This is Rome. This is Rome. And then you see, this is the less, this is today's kingdom that's being set up right now. Right now. Can you imagine? Nebuchadnezzar's dreaming what we're going to see or not see, but it's happening right now. Okay? Some commentaries and some, they'll, they'll come and, um, Theologians will say, no, see, this is actually the revived Roman Empire. And the revived Roman Empire is going to be ruled by a ten-nation confederacy with one man at the helm. Okay? Now, remember, how many toes does two feet have? Ten. So, when we study this, we go, oh, I see. Wow, okay. Now, for further study, we see a dream that Daniel's going to have in chapter 7, and it's going to explain all of this. But we've learned here at Calvary that this is the Babylonian kingdom. You see that. Then you see the Medo-Persian uh, empire, the Iraqi Kurds in Iran, right in here. Then you'll see the Greek, the Grecian empire ruled by Alexander the Great, and then Rome, okay? Then came the Roman empire right here. Now, remember, Rome was never destroyed. It ruled for 645 years. That's a long time. And it was never really destroyed. It kind of divided, hence the two legs. Okay? It divided. One stayed Rome, if you will, and the other changed its name to the Byzantine Empire. And they said, oh, we don't like that. Later on, it was the Ottoman Empire. But it never really, it just sort of faded away. Sort of just kind of, okay. Stuff just kind of moved on, moved on. Okay? But you have a last day empire right here called the feet in the clay. The feet in the clay. Now, something real important, we talked about this two weeks ago. The feet in the toes of the Colossus re represent the final world empire that's going to occur, listen to me, before the return of Christ. Not the rapture, but the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, here's where it's going to get tricky. This is the kingdom which you and I cannot put a definite name on it because it's not part of history, but it's actually part of the present and part of the future. Okay? Now, let's talk about iron and clay for just a moment. Iron and clay are much more than just divided kingdoms. How so? Well, looking back through this prophecy, all the metals have been represented how? By kingdoms, nations, and states. But what does the Bible represent clay as? You ready? Jot this down. According to Jeremiah 18 and 6 and Isaiah 64 and 8, we find that God's people, which are his church, according to Acts 7 verse 38, have always likened us unto clay. You know, Ben, where are you going with this? The problem with this is that this clay right here, church, this clay, is what we call miry clay or dirty clay. You go, what does it mean? It means it's a dirty or an apostate church. 
You go, what's apostate mean? It means when they turn their values against the word of God. They turn their values, they change directions from the word of God. So now you have a church that's not listening to the word of God, not studying the word of God, all of a sudden joining up with who? With with the, well, it's, it's the church and the state holding hands. It's the church and the state dating. You see, and the government's going to come in and tell the church, no, 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 we're not going to talk about the Bible anymore. That's an ancient book. Let's, let's replace the Ten Commandments with ten. There you go. She knows. It was, it was, yeah. And they're, they're trying to do that now with the, with the climate, with all of that. And we'll get more into that when we, when we do our prophecy update. But that's exactly what's going to happen moving forward. You see, what's going to happen is that you and I, we're going to be out of here, but there's going to be a remnant of people who are still believers that go, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't living for God. I'm going to, I'm going to give my life to the Lord, but it's not going to be a sincere. They'll still be called God's people, but there's going to be a miry, dirty clay. Daniel chapter 2 right here, church, shows us that there's going to be a uniting of the church and state during the fame and the frame of this new Roman Empire. But God also shows us that the church and state should not be united together for that very fact that iron doesn't mix with clay. It's not God's system that the two mix together. We must remain separate. You and I have a calling, church, listen to me, to what? to come out from among them to be separate. Now, here's a little tidbit I want you to chew on this week. We're talking about powerful people and powerful men, and I thought, I want to see who the world thinks the most powerful man in the world is. Now, this is according to Forbes. He, this is most, if not all, all key players at the end time. Now, jot these down because this is something that you should be you should be knowing. You should be writing. This is, you go, where are they? The most powerful player right now is, is Xi Jinping of China. Okay? He is the most powerful man right now. You go, well, how do you spell it? Well, it's X-I. That's his first name. J-I-P-I-N-G. And he is the president of China. And um, crazy stuff. If you'll read about China... They have bought most of the farmlands in the United States that strategically um, are up against a lot of military bases. China did that. We, unbeknownst to us, nobody knows. You go, well, who's the second most powerful man, a key player? Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin, right? If you want to know more about Vladimir Putin, think about Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. Now, Russia, Russia is, uh, is having a war against who? Ukraine. Ukraine can't get any oil. Well, you know what Israel done? Israel via Egypt has decided to take and give gas over to the Ukraine. And guess what? Vladimir Putin says, no, 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 no. And so Ezekiel talks about a hook of bringing them into this war. You know what? Here's what I want you to put. File it for later, but go, could it be gas? Could it be food? It's going to be one of these things. But I find it interesting that now Israel's going here. Now, Israel just changed presidents again, just on the first. It's, it's uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is back, is back in power. Okay? Now, I've been to Israel. I've talked. I haven't talked to Benjamin, but, but I've seen that. And, and, and Benjamin's not necessarily a believer. He believes in the Jewish way and he believes in the third temple, but he's not necessarily a born-again follower of Christ. And so he's going to set up his country and his country is going to be for that of the Jewish people. The third, believe it or not, and you guys probably know this, according to Forbes, is Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the third most powerful man. This I find interesting as well. Number four, and has been in the top ten always, uh, Angela Merkel from, from Germany is very, very powerful. And um, I don't know much about her, but, but um, it's, we know Germany is part of end-time scenario. They're going to join up with Russia as they come down to attack Israel. And then number five, according to Forbes, is Pope Francis. Pope Francis of Rome, a Roman Catholic church. 
And so, again, doesn't this all tie to what we're talking about, to what he says in this end time scenario? Now, that's kind of a whole new nutshell, but um, basically, um, we're going to pick up where we left off two weeks ago. Um, so tonight, let's just take a little, little bit of a look, not so much at the kingdom or the kingdoms, but I want to talk about the rock that, that Nebuchadnezzar saw, that, that God showed Daniel that's going to come and destroy all of this. You go, what do you mean? Well, the message that I'm titled tonight is called the Rock of Ages. The Rock of Ages. Why? Because this rock that's not made with hands is going to be cut out and thrown at the feet, and it's going to destroy all the kingdoms. But here's what you need to understand. This kingdom is eternal. Is eternal. Okay? So, you have a reference. Jot this down and turn... um, Turn and mark this. Daniel chapter 7, 13 and 14. Daniel chapter 7, 13 is where Daniel sees the Son of God reigning in the future kingdom. Let's mark that down, okay? Daniel chapter 7, it says this. And I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming in the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion, and glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom is the one which will not be destroyed. Okay, so here's our reference. Here's our jumping point, if you will. This is the kingdom that Daniel sees. So with that as our intro, let's look at the kingdom of God. Okay, Let me take you back in time to verse 34 and 35. Daniel says, While you watched, a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay. Now, we talked about iron and clay. That's the ruling. This is the present and future empire that's going to happen. So the Lord goes, watch this. Pow! And he says, the the clay, the iron, the bronze, the silver, the gold, all came tumbling down. And it actually became like a chaff, if you will, from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that was struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is exactly, this is the whole thing that Nebuchadnezzar saw this statue. He saw all of it going down. Hey, and then he sees this, he sees this eternal rock, if you will, the Lord Jesus, and he's being thrown, and it just crushes everything. This is the interpretation of what Nebuchadnezzar dreamt. He didn't understand any of this. This is why he was so troubled. Look at verse 44 now, Daniel chapter 2, 44. And in those days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Okay? So now Daniel is describing our future. This is our future of what God wants to do. You see, we've had the Babylonian kingdom. We've had the Medo-Persian kingdom. We've had the Grecian, and we've had Rome. You and I weren't involved in Rome or any of that. But we've had our kingdoms. But now we're seeing there's going to be a worldwide kingdom that's not only what? That's, that's not only present, but future. You will be gone. Will be gone. This, this kingdom is not going to last very long. Okay? The ten toes. The Antichrist is going to last seven years. Seven years. That's all. Now, you and I, we might see a glimpse of it, the beginnings of it, even today. We might see men rise up in power. We might see, whoa, nations bow down, crumble, and, 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 and sort of form alliances with one another. We might see that prior to going home. But then... We're up, and we're, what are we doing? We're having a great time at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're enjoying the kingdom. And you understand that once you're raptured, once you're given that glorified body, okay? Now, the people who have died, our, our beloved ones who in Christ, 
they don't have the glorified body right now. They're in heaven with the Lord because the Bible says to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. So they're in heaven. But when the rapture, when he comes back, they're going to get their glorified body first. We're going to get our glorified body. And we'll always have that. And then the Lord's going to set up a future reign that's eternal that right after the battle of Armageddon, when we come back with the Lord, we're going to rule and reign for him for with a thousand years. But we're never going to come back to these bodies. We're never going to come back to the way it was. This is going to be amazing. And so Daniel is just blown away because he says, in those days, these kings, um, in the days of these kings, all of them, the God of heaven is going to set up his kingdom and it will never be destroyed. It will never be destroyed. Aren't you glad that God's kingdom There could never be a fraudulent, voting, crazy, didn't win, lawsuit. Well, no, no, God, no, no, God, no, no. We got to check the votes, God. You've lost by by, by a thousand votes. That's not God. God's going to set up his kingdom. And man, think about it. And he's going to break into pieces and consume all the other kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Think about this for a second. I want you to put on your thinking caps. There are going to be people that make it through the seven-year tribulation. We're going to be raptured. We'll have glorified bodies. What does a glorified body look like? Much like Jesus, I hope. And here's what I'm thinking. Jesus... um, Jesus appeared to 500 people at once. I don't know if we'll be able to do that. Jesus was able to walk through walls. His disciples were there scared. Do you remember? And he comes in. He's like, hey, guys, what are you doing? Peace be with you. And they're like, ah! So I wonder if we'll be able to walk through walls. I wonder if we'll be able to travel at the speed, if you will, of thought. Hey, the Lord wants me in Jerusalem. I've got to go. Okay, I'm back. That's how fast it was. I don't know. But I know that you won't have a body that will decay. And I know you won't have a body where you wake up. I mean, I mean, think about it. We got young kids in the front row. I mean, you know what? Their backs hurt because they played football and they, and other, other kids, other teenagers try to kill them and they try to kill their teenagers. They walk out and they go, man, I'm hurt. We get hurt rolling over in bed. Are you kidding me? It's like, what happened? Oh, I just turned over the wrong way. Oh. Ooh, oh, my knee, and then, and then your knees give out, and, every, and every, parts start falling off. You guys understand, right? <laughs> and with our glorified body, man, nothing's going to decay. It's going to be sweet. And we're going to be doing the Lord's work. And what your job is going to be is going to be determined by how faithful you are here. How faithful. You see, I believe... In God's economy, in God's system, murderers are going to be saved. There are people who have done crimes that are going to get saved at the last minute and go into the kingdom of heaven. Now, you might sit here tonight and think, no, that's not fair. But that's God's kingdom. He's merciful. He's merciful. And if we're being honest, we don't like it. If you did wrong, you should pay. We want justice unless justice, but we don't want justice in our lives, do we? So, but I believe that, but I'm not sure they have not been faithful all their life, although they're in the kingdom. You, my friend, for being faithful to the Lord and having a pure heart, God's going to look at you and go, wow, check this out. I'm going to, I'm going to make you kings and priests and mayors and, and all of these things to govern my, my world. And what you need to understand, it's not the United States. It's, it's the whole world. And so now, he's got a specific job for you. And that's the beauty of that. And you go, wow. Wow. I love that. I love the fact that you will never have to worry about dying. You're already raptured. You're already done. You have a glorified body. Now, um, just for the sake of our study... 
you might want to ask the Lord and start putting in your order in a little bit earlier. Lord, I'm, I mean, I, I've had this body. I've been short. I've been tall. I've been whatever it is. I'm here. Here's what, here's what I would like. Can I be a little bit taller? Can I have a, can I have a good singing voice? Whatever it might be, you know, I mean, um, but I think it's going to be a sweet, sweet, sweet time. And I want you to think for just a moment, guys, when we, when we reign with the Lord for a thousand years, there are going to be people who make it through the tribulation that are not going to be have glorified bodies. They're not going to be working for Jesus. They're going to be just like you and I. And there's going to be this forced righteousness because Jesus is setting up his kingdom. There won't be any of the evilness, if you will. And so, and so I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if in the seven years that you and I are in heaven, if they're going to completely destroy the world as we know it and as we see it. Are we coming back to buildings and cars and all of this stuff? Or are we coming back to something a little bit more Garden of Eden-like? I don't know. I don't know. That's one of those things where the Lord hasn't told us and we'll just have to wait and see. But I do know this. We'll be with the Lord forever. And how wonderful is that if you're going, you know, I mean, and, and, I mean, and even think about this, in your glorified state, you won't ever feel down. You won't be depressed. You won't ever feel that anxiety or worry. It's just a new heart and a new you. Much more than, like we say that, hey, it's new year, new, new, new year, new me. This is for real. This is like amazing. And so that's going to be where you and I, this is the kingdom that's going to be set up. But it's described in the fulfillment of this prophecy. Remember, it's always future. How so? Because Nebuchadnezzar says, in Daniel interprets, he says, this is a stone that's cut without hands, and it shatters the confederation of kings, represented by the feet in the image, and, the, and, and God's kingdom is going to dominate the earth. Now, let me just give you some, let me just, can I give you some encouragement tonight? I know we all go home and we watch the news and we just stress out about what's going on in the world. And, and yes, we're paying more at the grocery store than we've ever paid before. And yes, our gas prices are higher. And yes, I get that. And it's so frustrating. But when I read something like this, I know God's going to rule and reign and we're going to be with him one day. And none of this is going to matter. Okay? You will always have grocery bills. You will always have um, gas bills. You'll always have water bills. You'll always have... All of this stuff, but a hundred years from now, guys, you're going to be, none of this is going to matter because you're going to be working for the Lord Jesus as he sets up his kingdom and he rules and reigns for a thousand years. So we can sleep tonight going, God, you've got this. What I see is only temporary. If the rapture happens at best seven years, you and I know it's not going to be a hundred years before the Lord comes back. And even if it is a hundred years, we're going to be with him anyway. Because this body's giving out. That's doing what it's designed to do since the fall. Once you were born, you begin to die. That's what it does. You begin some earlier than others, some later. I get it. But that's what happens. And one day, you and I will look and we'll, we'll breathe. And you see, when you're born, the first thing you do is when you come out and you're born as a baby, the very first thing you do is what? You inhale. And the very last thing you do when you die is you exhale. It's Yahweh. 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 So either way, we win. Either way, we win. Now, think about this. Since Roman history provides no fulfillment of the Federation of Kings, which seems to number 10, right now we don't know this, because the number of toes in the passages like Daniel chapter 7, verse 24, we looked at in Revelation 17, 12, this prophecy right here has to be future. You and I are not seeing a ten-nation confederacy in the Roman area, if you will, Italy and all in France and all that. We don't see ten nations going, hey, we should really partner up. 
We're not seeing it today, but if we did, we'd go, oh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 24. So we know it's future. But I love that the Lord says, here, that's something to give you to look at. Now, here's what we do know, okay? God's going to set up a new kingdom. Can I get an amen? amen? This is called, jot this down, the millennial reign of Christ. Millennial mean a thousand. This is the millennial reign of Christ. Well, where can I find that? Revelation 19 talks about this. The millennial reign of Christ. Okay? The second thing you need to know. God's kingdom will never be destroyed. Okay? Revelation 21 tells us it's an eternal kingdom. So that kingdom is never going to... There's not going to be an uprising of, of, of awful, ugly tyrants in the world. God's going to put an end to that. The third kingdom is really beautiful. The third. God's kingdom will not be left to other people. He's not going to go, hey, I'm going to go to heaven. You guys handle this. He's going to rule and reign here on earth. Now look at verse 44 with me. It says, it shall break into pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. This described a single decisive event that shattered the image representing the glory of man's rule on earth. So since the church or the gospel have not in a single decisive event shattered the reign of human kingdoms, we all know that this event is still future. Now, let's chat for just a moment. We're almost done here, guys. We're almost done. Our hope for the future is that God has redeemed us and we will live in heaven forever. But what God is doing right now is he's showing you exactly what will happen. Nebuchadnezzar saw that his own kingdom will fall one day and be replaced by the Medo-Persians. He saw that. This happened in 538 B.C. The Medo-Persians would be conquered by by the Greeks in 330 B.C. And Greece would give way to Rome. The Roman Empire outwardly would disappear but its laws, its philosophies, its institutions would continue till this very day, taking us down to the feet and the clay. The only hope for this world is the return of Christ. When he comes to the earth, it will be to conquer the nations, Revelation 19.11, to establish his own glorious kingdom. Now, let's read this. Revelation 19 and 11 talks about this coming kingdom. Revelation 19 and 11 says, And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness. He judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name that was written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Who's that? That's us. That's us. Everybody say, that's us. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he shall strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fierceness with the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on a robe and on his thigh the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Revelation 19, 11 through 17 describes what's going to happen when he comes back. You got seven years. He says the Lord comes up. We're all following him on white horses. He's got a name called the Word of God. He's got a, a, this crazy tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You go, Ben, how do you know it's a tat? I don't. I'm just saying it, it looks like it could be. It's written on his thigh. So anyway, um, and so he's going to reign. He's going to reign. He's going to rule. He is king for a thousand years. Jesus, our Lord, is going to rule from Jerusalem. From Jerusalem. Look with me in Daniel chapter 2, verse 45. And as much as you saw the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands that it broke to pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king that it will come to pass after this. Why? Well, this dream is certain and his interpretation is true. The stone cut out with hands, guys, is the Messiah. Now, you need to grasp this. This is not the church. 
He's the, that's the stone. A lot of people go, well, that's the church. Here's why. There's a false doctrine going around even today that they're calling kingdom now. And if the believers were just together, we were able to usher in the kingdom. And, and we all have to be very good boys and girls in order to do that. Well, the world keeps getting worse and worse because it's not the church that breaks the kingdoms. It's the Lord Jesus. It's the Messiah. Can I get an amen? amen. You understand that? Okay. According to Psalm 118 and 22, Isaiah 8 and 14, Isaiah 28 and 16, Zechariah 3 and 9, I know I gave those to you fast, this also refers to Yahshua, Jesus, as the stone. Therefore, the name of our message is the rock of ages. He is the rock. The stone that struck the image, the idol, the idol, became a great mountain and filled the earth. Now, as we close, here's what I want you to do. Okay? That's, we're going to rank. I gave you a lot of information. But I want to leave you with a practical and applicable way as we pray. What do you mean, Ben? Well, maybe tonight we can do the same thing. You go, what's that? We can allow the kingdom of God... Okay? In a very real, practical, and spiritual way, we will allow the Rock of Ages to do the same thing. You go, Ben, I'm not sure what you mean. Maybe we've set up some idols in our hearts, knowingly or unknowingly, and tonight we ask the Lord, Lord, with the Rock of Ages, the Lord Jesus, come in and just, and just pulverize that idol. Just pulverize it. Because the idols in our heart, guess what they want to do? They always want to wage war against God. The idols in our heart. And it seems like our hearts are idol factories. We always want to raise up and so forth. You go, well, like what? Well, time, money, entertainment. It's always all of that. And sometimes they want to take precedent. And we have idols. And maybe you go, man, I don't have any idols. Or maybe unknowingly you have an idol. And you're going, oh. You go, well, Ben, what's an idol? You ready? An idol can be something very good that we've made ultimate. In other words, if I took away your idol, you would, I, would, I could render you catatonic. You would not be able to function. That's an idol. That's an idol. And we all have them. We all have them. And so we have to be careful. And so I would ask that as the worship team comes up, that we would do this. We would do this, guys. Take a moment. Take a moment. God, I've learned in Daniel what you're going to do future, but I want you to do something in my heart tonight. If I've set up an idol in my heart, something that is good, it could be my relationship with my spouse, it could be my relationship with my kids, it could be a relationship with grandkids. It could be my job. It could be anything, Lord. I've set them higher than you. Those are all good things, but I've made them ultimate, Lord. Then I'm asking you to come and take it away because that wars against you. My heart has to be pure for you. And I would ask that your awesome kingdom would break those idols and set me free tonight. And as... We get ready to sing. Would you do me a favor? Would you take a moment and do what we call a heart check? A heart check. And yes, ask, Lord, is there anything in my heart that, that's waging war against you? Am I putting sports? And, or am I putting a relationship or whatever it might be? And that's waging war against you because I'm not giving you 100%. Have I allowed social media to come in and dictate my heart and my life and what I see other people? Have I allowed whatever it might be? Have I allowed my career, whatever it is? Tonight, He wants to set us free. Can I get an amen? amen? So would you do that? Would you take a moment as we're worshiping and just ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything in my heart? And just confess it to Him. Let the rock of ages do what He wants to do to set us free. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the truth in your word. We thank you for the rock of ages. 
We thank you, God, that we can just look and pull so much out of this text. We love you, Jesus. Father, we're going to take a moment right now in the quietness of our heart and just ask you, Lord, I know I'm even afraid to look at my own heart, God. There might be something in there that I've allowed. And um, it's waging war with you. And I'm making it ultimate. And it could be a good thing, Lord. And so I want to confess that, Lord. Would you would you take the beautiful rock of ages and destroy, destroy those things, Lord, that I would honor you first in all that I do. And nothing in this earth compares to you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.